I'm Max Kreitzer, and you're listening to The Story Of. Growing up, I cared passionately about three things. The TV show ALF, the Scholastic Book Fair, and scary movies. More specifically, scary B-movies. My dad had an old projector, and he had some films, including Steamboat Willie and a short called The Giant Claw. The Giant Claw was also the description of the film. They would cut from scenes of a stop-motion puppet bird flying close to buildings, and then to scenes of this gigantic puppet of a claw with hundreds of clearly visible strings, and it would crash in the windows, and it would take people out screaming. My parents always let me watch scary movies, especially the bad ones, because I knew they were fake. My mom didn't always like it, but my dad encouraged me and tested my limits with scary movies that he liked. One summer night, we waited until it was dark and we watched Alien together. Throughout the movie, he kept asking me if I was scared. I kept saying I wasn't, but by the end of the movie, I was convinced I would have to have a closed casket funeral because the alien that was growing inside of me was going to bust through my chest and make, you know, such a mess of things. No one would want to see it. As we were about to make our way upstairs to bed, he asked me one more time, You sure you aren't scared, boy? Not at all, Dad. Some of the puppets were good, but some were, Wah! Before I could finish my sentence, he tossed me in the hall closet and held the door closed. Just as I was about to lose my cool and scream, he let me out. Okay, pretty good, he said. I slept on the floor in my parents' room for a few days after that. Not because I was scared, but because, you know, I liked the carpet in there. We had a giant gray VCR that you could strap around your shoulder and connect a wired camcorder to. It would record to VHS tape. As soon as I was old enough to lift it, I started making videos. We begged our journalism teacher, Mrs. Folsom, for years to start a video broadcast class. And finally, in our senior year, she came through. We borrowed the camera from the school board and we started producing weekly shows for school. We even won state in our first year for broadcast journalism. We won on an episode where we investigated gas price gouging after 9-11. That same episode, we created an ad for the yearbook. A student caught a football and looked at his hands. There was a white powdery substance on them. Another student typed on a computer and then saw white powdery substance on his hands. Finally, a student picks up a yearbook and smiles, showing clean hands to the camera. Yearbooks, the announcer said. Anthrax free. This was during the National Anthrax Scare of 2001. Every week, Mrs. Folsom would have to argue for our content to the higher-ups, and in defending the anthrax bit, she explained that her husband Ernie was a mailman, and he thought it was funny. If anyone would have to deal with anthrax, it is the delivery men and women of the United States Postal Service, and if we let fear control us, the terrorists have already won. We made our first feature-length film, Roachcox, and one of the actors in the movie was Josh Christofferson. After we made the movie, someone in Josh's family reached out to him asking if he could do makeup for a B-horror film that was shooting in Parsons, Kansas. Josh asked me if I wanted to help, and I said, hell yes. This is the story of making a B-horror movie. Josh and I pulled into the community college dorms in Parsons, Kansas, where the crew was staying in cement rooms on plastic-wrapped mattresses. I hadn't thought to bring bedding, so I used some shirts to lay on. I hadn't read the script, but I knew it was a zombie movie, and we were in charge of makeup. We unloaded everything we brought, makeup, sponges, fake blood, wax, wigs, and clothes. Then we met Chris, who was the writer and director and producer of the film. I admired Chris. He had guts. 
He had taken all the money in the world he had and he used it to make an actual movie with actual actors. In the pre-production meeting, he told us all the actors that were coming and I almost fainted. Part of our job would be to pick them up from the airport or from their hotels. I would get to spend a week with some of my heroes. One of the first actors to show up was someone I didn't know, but he was a big up and coming name in the B-horror movie scene. I asked him how he was so successful at such a young age. He sat down on the steps of the school and he sighed, reflecting before he spoke. Yes, he said, that's how. If someone asks you to do something or to be in a movie, no matter how small the role, you say yes and you just keep saying yes until something hits. Wow, I thought, this guy was a little older than me and he was living the dream, working as a B-movie actor for an actual job. I would later find out a lot of people used him because he would go anywhere and pay for his own travel and accommodations, but after his speech, I was now a disciple of Yes. During the week of the shoot, I was going to find out how far Yes would take me. The next actor to show up was Felissa Rose from the cult classic Sleepaway Camp. She's the one in the end who turns out to be the killer, but you would never have thought it was her because early on in the film, you see the killer as a wiener, you see his wiener, but then at the end, spoiler, she's got the big old wiener on her, so it's a big, it's a big reveal, her having a penis. Robert Zadar also came. You may know him as the villain in Tango and Cash, but we knew him as the maniac cop. Robert had cherubism, which is where bones don't grow right in your chin so the body replaces him with a fibrous tissue it results in a, like a large jawline so he kind of looked the part of a villain but he also loved playing villains robert was really great to me but i think he might have had some issues in the car ride he told me about when his father went to see him in tango and cash and he stood up in the theater when robert was on screen and he shouted my boy that's my boy which was a really touching story but then Robert started crying and yelling and he was really mad at me for some something that I was unclear about. And we just kind of turned up the heat and eventually he fell asleep. Joe Estevez came next and he was awesome as well. We knew him from countless B-movies like Soul Taker, but many people are probably more familiar with his brother, Martin Sheen. But Joe Estevez has done way more movies than Martin, way more. And he sounds so much like Martin that he actually did the voiceovers for Apocalypse Now. He also wants to use his brother's voice to get out of trouble. I was at Martin's house for a party once, and I was peeing outside. I guess it was loud, because a neighbor, somebody famous I can't remember, said, Martin, is that you? Yes, it is, I said. And then I zipped up and went back into the party. Lloyd Kaufman was there, co-founder of Troma Films. You know, many people don't know this, he said, but the Toxic Crusader featured the first dry humping scene in the history of cinema. I did know that. Lilith Stabs came, Brink Stevens, kickboxing legend Nick the Punisher Phillips. We even shot a pickup scene with Tom Savini, one of the icons of makeup effects. He worked on uh, Friday the 13th and Day of the Dead. He also played Sex Machine in Dust Till Dawn. Besides all the great actors, we also used the good citizens of Parsons as zombie extras. They were the ones who sat in the makeup chairs with us. Josh was really great at makeup, and there was another Josh there as well, who was also great at makeup and practical special effects. Like most things I do, I wasn't great, but I tried really hard and I had a good attitude. The town folk were awesome, and we used them over and over as different zombies, changing their shirts and makeup, using whoever we could find. There were a few roles we were missing, though. We needed two women who would be topless in a shower scene. The question came up towards the end of the day on a shoot. Who wants to go with us to a strip club to find someone who will do the shower scene? Josh and I looked at each other. We had never been to a strip club before. 
Yes, I said. We'll go. Josh and I were pretty uncomfortable at the strip club. We saw pool tables as we walked in and we practically dove on them. As we were playing pool and averting our gazes, a woman came up to us. You boys are shy, aren't you? We just love pool a lot, I said. Yeah, we, we play pool a lot, Josh lied. It's their first time, someone in the crew said. Oh, boys, don't worry. We do this just for fun and extra money. I'm studying to be a child psychologist. That's great, I said, hitting a different ball than the cue ball because she was standing next to the cue ball. I'm on stage next, she said, and I want to see both of you boys up there. I mean it. Here, Josh said, handing her a dollar. We're going to have to finish this game. I searched in my pockets for money, and all I had was a $10 bill. Yeah, here, I said, for the kids. When she got up on stage, she started beckoning towards us. We tried to ignore her, but the DJ got on the mic. Uh-oh, shy boys, she's calling you out. I'm not going up there, Josh said. I gulped and walked towards the stage. I closed my eyes tight, and things happened to my face. I'm not sure what all went on, but I smelled like talcum powder for the rest of the night. I slowly walked back to Josh. Josh, she said you gotta go up there, man. I'm not going, Josh said. Fuck, man, I can't go back up there. You, you gotta go up there, Josh. No, I'm not fucking going, Max. No, I, I gave her $10. Everybody else gave her a dollar. I don't know what I paid for. You gotta go the fuck up there, man. She can make me go back up there. Josh composed himself and went up to the stage. When he came back, he looked different. Josh, I said, where are your glasses? Shit, Josh mumbled as he staggered back to the stage. The rest of the night was a blur, but somehow somebody pitched a topless scene in a Parsons, Kansas dorm room, and it worked because the next morning, two sisters met us bright and early. They came into the makeup room where my Josh, the other Josh, and I were silently putting blood on faces. Hey guys, one of the sisters said, we were supposed to come talk to you about putting some makeup on our scars. One day, while we were shooting a fighting scene in the woods with Nick the Punisher Phillips, a truck full of tigers drove by. A native Parsons resident jumped up. I know that guy, he shouted, waving the truck down. They unloaded some tigers from the back, and as the resident came back with a huge smile, he said, want some tigers in the movie? There was a white tiger we were told to smear blood on. Will it hurt it, I asked. Hell no the owner said. It's syrup. He'll fucking love it. I smeared blood all over this beautiful white tiger. And then the owner said, you know, if someone runs away from him, he'll instinctively bat at his feet. If that person were to fall down, I could throw some chicken on his neck and it'll look like the tiger's eating him. Sweet, Chris, the director said. Max, you want to try it? I was now a disciple of yes. Yes, I said. Sure. Another scene came up where for some reason the the shitty kind of the homophobic cop pulled these other people over and he makes two men in the backseat kiss. Nobody wanted to do it. Yes, I said. I'll do it. Who wants to be the zombie that eats this lunch meat out of a rib cage? Fair warning, it's been out in the sun for a while. Yes, I said. I'll try it. Can someone make a device for projectile vomit? Yes, we can, I said, using the rest of our money to create a Pukatron 2000. By the end of the shoot, I had learned a lot of things. A lot of things about making movies and producing and writing and working with egos and the fluid nature of emotions on set. I also learned it's not always the best idea to spend a lot of time with your heroes. There's just more opportunity for them to say and do things that make you think, what the fuck, or 
Why is he still looking at the anime cat porno section? I also learned that always saying yes can get you places you'd never thought you'd be. Sometimes those places are amazing and wonderful and you can surprise yourself with all the things you can achieve. Other times those places will make you think college is a good idea. Anyways, I got my master's degree in computer animation a few years later. This episode was brought to you by Box of Clothes Online. Sign up today. We'll send you a box of clothes. We're going to look at your Instagram. We're going to look at your Facebook. And we're going to send you just a box of clothes we think you'll like. Sick of shopping? We all are. Check out Warehouse Full of Guys looking at your Instagram, boxofclothesonline.com.